0: Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch our show and subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single episode of Locked On. Don Panthers and be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council. It's that simple because every single Friday, like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. To participate in next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag, either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And speaking of Bet Online, the line over at Bet Online for the Panthers Browns game is currently at about. Minus one and a half for the Carolina Panthers as they are favorites at home against Cleveland Browns in week one against a team that has not won a home opener in a very long time, that being the Browns. That being said, man, I'm really not sure how I feel about this game on Sunday. And I'm going to get to your mailbag questions first, but I think I just want to start off most Friday shows now by giving some final thoughts on the game coming up there that Sunday afternoon. Then I'll get to your questions in any of the final two segments of the show. So hang tight with me. Sunday afternoon to me kind of feels like a toss-up at this point in time. I sat there yesterday, had a conversation with Garrett Bush and Jeff Lloyd, the two hosts of the Lockdown Browns podcast for our weekly crossover episodes. And anyone who's new to the podcast, every Thursday, I'm going to be speaking to the opposing team that week, the host of that show for a network here at Lockdown. So I saw a lot of people enjoyed it. So that's just something to look forward to week in and week out. Um, but they seem to be kind of confident. At least Jeff was that the Browns are going to win this game on Sunday. And one of the factors that makes him confident is the fact that rain is in the forecast. It's supposed to rain all weekend long here in Charlotte. And I honestly don't hate it as far as Saturday. Like gives me a reason to not do anything except for sit on my couch and watch college football after being insanely busy all summer long with traveling. But on Sunday, I don't love it because it's the first game of the season. People are going to be fired up to watch the game, go to the game, and it might be a monsoon. Now, if that does happen, it's, in a way, hard not to favor Cleveland because that's what they want to do anyways, is run the football. But it's not like Carolina's not going to be able to do the same thing with Christian McCaffrey. With Deontay Foreman, how many carries that Chuba Hubbard might get on Sunday afternoon if they rebuild offensive line with Ike Iquan, left, who I think is going to probably enter the league and be right away extremely good in being able to get out there and help out in the run game. And as far as Brady Christensen, same thing. Bradley Bozeman likely not going to get to start, probably going to be Pat Offline because Bozeman was injured. It makes all the sense in the world. I get people are upset about it. But come on, just think, think logically. If a player is competing for a job, then he gets injured, um, of course the guy who's been healthy is going to start week one. Now in due time, Bozen would be the starter, and then Austin Corbett at right guard. So I feel good about that unit that they can do get their own push. It's not like the Carolina Panthers haven't been able to run the football. Now, in the interior of the offensive line last year was not great. But while they've been terrible in pass protection, they've still been pretty good running the ball, especially when Chris McCaffrey is out there healthy. That being said, though, I don't really know what to expect at all out of this offense on Sunday afternoon. I feel pretty confident that Chris McCaffrey's going to have a big day because, hell, he has a big day every time he plays because that's who he is. He's one of the best offensive weapons in football, and I think, when healthy, the best running back in football. The offensive line projections tell me, like I just went over, that it should be a vastly improved unit this upcoming season, and I expect that that will be the case on Sunday afternoon. Now, one of the pieces, Pat Elfline, don't feel great about him, but the other four feel pretty good about what they can do in the run game, and, of course, Iki Aquanu. He's going to win. He's going to lose some battles out at left tackle against Miles Garrett and in Jadeveon Clowney if he's ever lined up on that side of Icky. Wide receivers, we saw what DJ can do and has done the last couple of seasons. We saw what Robbie Anderson was capable of back in New York and in 2020. But last year was terrible for him. Marshall has not been healthy. He's now been reduced to the third-team wide receiver. Shai Smith had a really good camp. Can that carry over to the regular season? Will LaVisca Chenault play that much at all? I mean Ben McAdoo spoke to the media on Thursday and he talked about how he's slowly coming along. Hard for me to sit here and think that Chenault's going to play a major role this week or next or really in the first three weeks of the season until he really gets up to speed and understands what McAdoo's offense is asking him to do. And of course, gains that continuity of Baker Mayfield who still is trying to gain continuity of all of these guys offensively. Like, it should not surprise anyone or really fr- – I, I can understand the frustration because you felt – I know a lot of you, and I myself included, believe that Baker Mayfield absolutely should have been the starting quarterback once training camp started off. He should be getting all the one reps or at least the majority of the one reps because, of course, the backup has to play a little bit just so he can get some sort of you know continuity within the offense whenever he has to come in if that day does come. So I understand the frustration there but also just understanding that it's going to take time. And it would have taken time even had Baker been here as the number one quarterback throughout training camp in the preseason because he wasn't here throughout the offseason, wasn't here learning the offense, going through installs during OTAs and mandatory minicamp. So that's what makes it so hard to know what to expect from this offense when really there's like three known commodities. Taylor Moten, you're never worried about what Taylor Moten's going to do. Not concerned at all. Christian McCaffrey, when he's healthy, you know what he's going to do. DJ Moore, you know what he's going to do. Everyone else, no clue what they're going to produce on Sunday night, Sunday afternoon against Cleveland, which is why I feel like, in a way, this is a, to- a toss-up. And Phil Snell, Panthers defensive coordinator, was asked about this on Thursday. Someone was talking about, hey, how are you going to stop the run? He got pretty frustrated because, hey, they were uh, ninth or 8th in the league last year. I think it was 8th in the league last year, and uh, yards per carry allowed. But they were 18th in the league when it came to rushing yards allowed per game. Like They either got gashed or they were really good against the run a year ago. Against top 10 teams, like I pointed out multiple times this week, they went 1-4, and four, the lone victory coming on the road against Arizona when their starting quarterback, Kyler Murray, did not play, and he is also a key part of that rushing attack. So when teams that love to run the ball and absolutely base their offense on it, like Minnesota, like Philadelphia, like New England, and like Dallas, when they lined up to go run the ball, they ran it down the Panthers' throats. That is a concern for me, just thinking of the only way the Browns can win this game on Sunday is if they can force a couple turnovers, which is very possible if it is raining out there and the ball is wet, or... If they're able to run and control the line of scrimmage against that Panthers defense. I think this Panthers defense will be excellent in every facet of the game, but I cannot say that about the run game. Okay, so like secondary, I think they're gonna be great. I think Shaq Thompson can have a great season. I think Wilson, Damian Wilson can have a good year. I think Frankie Lubu can have a good year. I think they'll be good at rushing the passer. So rushing the passer and pass defense, I think they're gonna be excellent. Stopping the run, I can't sit here and tell you confidently that I think the Carolina Panthers will be in that situation where they are great against it all season long just going into the season. It's hard for me to say that just going off of what I saw last year against teams like the Browns that lean on the run game. Now Carolina can absolutely try and stack the box, force Jacoby Brissett to go out there and beat him. It's not like Brissett's a terrible quarterback. He is a high-level backup, and Cleveland is lucky to have him, especially considering the situation they put themselves in by trading for Deshaun Watson, who's now suspended for the first 11 games of the season. They have someone who's capable in Jacoby Brissett. not someone you want to start all season long with someone who can probably keep you in it. The Panthers got to get after him. They need to find a way to stop the run, and that's how they're going to win this game on Sunday afternoon. I'm sure I think Baker will make plays. I, I feel pretty confident he's going to make a couple plays. That He's going to play well, considering how he feels about how his exit in uh, was out of Cleveland and I think Christian McCaffrey will show up, DJ Moore, defensively, overall I think they'll be good. There's just questions about the run game and who outside of DJ and Christian on offense performs and what the offense really looks like as a whole. There's also somewhat of a concern about the kicker. Chris Tabor, special teams coordinator for Carolina also sat down, and spoke with the media on Thursday. Something I don't recall a single time last year Chase Blackburn speaking to the media because typically on Thursdays is when the coordinators speak to the local media. I don't recall Chase Blackburn doing that. Maybe he did. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, but apparently, Eddie Pinheiro was out kicking on Wednesday. And I imagine that will be the same case on Thursday. As I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon, I have no idea whether he did or not. Panthers did work out another kicker on uh, Wednesday as well. So there's maybe one slight concern with his health and also just is he going to be consistent for the Panthers this year with Zane Gonzalez out for the rest of the season with a groin injury. So to me... I'm taking the Panthers. I already took them to win this game. And a lot of it has to do with, like, okay, Cleveland, they never win season openers. But also just the confidence I have that this is going to be a good football team this year. And it needs to start Sunday afternoon at the bank in Uptown Charlotte by beating a Browns team that has a backup quarterback. Like, the Browns defense very well may be good. Browns offense, wide receiver-wise, not concerned about them. You got a backup quarterback. Like, load the box, make these receivers beat this secondary one-on-one. If they do that, tip your cap, they get paid too. But to me, it's hard to see the Browns winning unless they can force a lot of turnovers or if they can run down, plus running the ball down to Carolina's throat all day long. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, let's get to your uh, weekly mailbag questions here after this quick pause on Locked on Panthers. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then... Add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get into what y'all really came here for, the weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. Again, do participate in next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag, either at me or DM me on Twitter, at Julian Council. But, of course, first make sure to click the follow button there on Twitter to Catch up on anything I have going through my mind uh, throughout Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns. Try not to tweet too much during the games, but sometimes I feel like I'm going to do it a lot. Sometimes I feel like, ah, eh, I'll just wait to the podcast. Either way, follow me there on Twitter so you can get your questions in for next week's show. Let's go ahead and start off with Leslie, who says, okay, so how about them heels? How to get that out there? Hope you understand. I absolutely understand, Leslie. I'm a Tar, I'm a Tar fan, at least with the Elon. My parents are of the Carolina, but I'm a Carolina fan. Have season tickets to football game, so my uh, heart nearly exploded uh, approximately 45 times. On um, Well, 40 let's say 40 times, the amount of points App State scored in the fourth quarter, an abomination defensively for the Tar Heels. So happy they got away and won that game. I had to go to a wedding um, that evening in Boston, and the game ended, and I had like 10 minutes to get ready. My girlfriend's like yelling at me, he's like, what are you doing? Get dressed. Like, well, the Tar Heels are playing against App, and I can't breathe right now. Either way, let's move into Leslie's question saying, I've been watching some videos this week of the Browns just to see their thought process and to see where their heads are at. One thing stands out. They are terrified at the thought of Baker Mayfield beating them in week one. There is a clip from ESPN Radio Cleveland that is hilarious. How much do you think that is going to affect their strategy during the game? He's obviously got into their heads and hasn't even tried. Well, I don't know how much it affects the team strategy. Of course, the fan base, like, what has been presented to me, and I, I talked to the Locked On Browns guys yesterday, but I also went on another podcast with some Browns people um, a couple days ago. And the way that they kind of demonstrated like how the fan base, or like at least what they told me, how the fan base feels about the whole Baker Mayfield thing. Like, There's a people out there who are done with the Browns because of Deshaun Watson. There's people out there who are mad about, how things ended with Baker, and they want Baker to light up the Browns. And that was always my thought process, considering how things ended the first time with Cam Newton. If he ever came back here, I wanted him to light the Panthers up because I didn't like how they did him. Oh, we're going to allow Cam to seek a trade after all the quarterback money's run dry this offseason. It worked out, I guess, in the end for Cam, but still – I I didn't love that. So that's how they've kind of acknowledged. And then, of course, there's the Browns fans who don't really care about anything. They just want to beat up on Baker. So there's Browns fans who want to beat up Baker. There's the Browns fans who are mad about how Baker left, and they want Baker to ball out. And there's Browns fans who ain't going to watch because the Browns have Deshaun Watson now on their roster. It's not going to impact at all the team. Like, there's familiarity there. Baker's already said it's not really an advantage either way. Now, maybe for Cleveland, because it is the same offensive staff and they know how Baker operates, maybe they can, or defensive staff, I guess, both both of them, maybe since they spent more time with Baker, that might give them somewhat of an advantage. I, I don't know. I don't know either way. As far as the fan base, like, yeah, I can totally get like how you probably don't want to lose week one to Baker. You, you get rid of him, and the quarterback that you brought in to replace him, who's apparently supposed to be an adult, is out for 11 games. So, yeah, if I'm a Browns fan, of course you don't want to lose another home opener. But you especially don't want to lose to that guy, who I'm sure is a polarizing figure in that market. So, we'll see how it pans out. But I certainly don't care about Browns fans' feelings. I hope Baker lights him up. And, of course, Carolina Panthers start off 1-0. All right. uh, Now to Cameron. Uh, big matchup on Sunday uh, to look out for. He says, do you feel like Icky can actually keep Baker safe from Miles Garrett? Garrett was ranked number 11 on NFL's best players list. The rookie versus number 11. Seems like Baker needs to release fast. Either way, Baker needs to get the ball out fast. That is one of the criticisms of Baker Mayfield back in Cleveland. Baker trying to do too much, holding on to the ball too long. We saw that last year with Sam Darnold, who wasn't trying to do really anything. It felt like he just held onto the ball way too long. Yes, Baker, get rid of the football as soon as possible, knowing that on one side of the ball is Miles Garrett, and the other side of the ball is Jadeveon Clowney. Now, if it's going to be Taylor Moten versus Clowney, I'm going to take Moten. If it's going to be Icky versus Miles Garrett, yeah, I think Icky can hold his own. And Ben McAdoo's talked about, and Matt Rule said the same thing this week, that they're going to give him help, but they can't do that for the entire game. He's going to have to sink or swim. And my guess is Miles Garrett's probably going to have a better game on Sunday than Icky Icky's first start. Miles Garrett's been Defensive Player of the Year. I don't really see where the debate is there. And I get it. If you're the biggest Panthers home in the world, you probably think, oh, no, that's crazy. And if Icky has a great game, then I'll be happy about it. I'm not saying he's going to suck on Sunday. All I'm saying is don't be shocked when he gets beat a couple times, if more than that, by Miles Garrett. And the Panthers have to give him a lot of help. It's part of the growing process. He's here to be the left tackle for the next 10 years. One game is not going to dictate Icky's trajectory here with the Carolina Panthers, unless he gives like eight sacks up, which I don't think is going to happen. He gives up one or two. Okay, fine. Tip your cap, Miles Garrett. Good player. That's it. And for the most part, he plays well. Be happy about that. But yeah, the advantage is clearly on the guy who's a veteran opposed to the player who just entered the league. That said, I still think Icky will be just fine on Sunday afternoon. Uh, one other question as it pertains to Sunday's game uh, coming from Kedrick. He's asking about the Panthers' recent acquisition of Henry Anderson, saying, do you think that Henry Anderson, D line signing, would pay immediate dividends against a strong running Browns team? Heard he was strong against the run. Apparently that's the word. Uh, like I told you all the other day, I had never heard of this man in my entire life. Until I saw Darren Gantt, or I guess the Panthers.com, whatever. I saw Panthers Darren Gantt tweet out how the Panthers had signed him. Never heard of this dude. Maybe he played in that preseason game when they played New England a couple weeks ago. Wasn't paying really any attention to any players on the patch defense, uh, especially a guy named Henry Anderson. Like, We'll see. Phil Snow, again, during his press conference on Thursday, he was asked this question, and he said it depends on the looks that they're getting from Cleveland. And the situation of the game. Yeah, the expectation is that he will play a little bit. Like, will he play like 50% of the snaps? Probably less. I don't really know. He's been here for a couple days. So, of course, he's got to get in here and learn the system before you can really throw him out there. And my hope is that it will pay some sort of dividends. Can I say immediate dividends? Hard for me to say that when there is unknown there of Henry Anderson, a guy, again, I had never heard of until a couple of days ago. And I'm just trying to be honest with you. all I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and be like, oh, yeah, Henry Anderson, dude's really good. Like, he's going to step up there and be awesome. Maybe he will. But for me, I don't know. The hope is that will be the case. But so I think Carolina is thinking really long-term, they needed someone who can set the edge and can be a run-stuffer. And at 6'6", 301, that is the exact, body type Scott Fitter was talking about he wanted to add during that exit interviews back in January and they've done that will Anderson prove to be the right guy we'll see only time will tell not sure we'll see too much of him on Sunday hopefully the snaps that we see from him he is someone who can pay immediate dividends as you're hoping to see Kedrick and as I'm hoping to see uh as well all right take a quick pause here on the show come back and answer the rest of your mailbag questions here on Locked On Panthers. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Very fired up for the NFL being back. Finally, Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. I wonder if they do live golf too. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. all right couple more questions here on the show then uh we will get out of here and we'll get ready for that game on sunday afternoon in what might be in torrential downpour hopefully that's not the case hoping for sunshine but if uh brad panovich says it's gonna rain it's probably gonna rain Uh, all right what's going and and i think brad panovich is a browns fan too that's why that's why it's gonna rain that's why it's gonna rain i figured out the source of the rain folks um let's move off of that ridiculous conspiracy theory. Uh over to Alex. Over under 5 touchdowns for DJ Moore this season. Uh taking the over on this one for sure. First time in his career he has a quarterback that is competent outside of Cam back in 2018 cuz like 18 19, yeah, so fifth year, 2018 when he was a rookie. So the rookie not expected even as a first round pick to contribute that much in the passing game even back then. So, yes, I think that would be the case. Like, since his rookie year, he's had Kyle Allen. He's had Will Greer. He has had, of course, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold. This is the first time that he's had a quarterback, other than Cam in those first eight games back in 2018, but a quarterback for a full season, fingers crossed, who is competent, who is average to above average. That is what Baker Mayfield provides. And I think the connection that, that we've seen, very little of, but we've seen the connection there from other reports from training camp and from the um, joint practice in New England. I think that Baker and DJ have a good connection, and DJ Moore going to uh, he – let's go for 10 touchdowns this season. So, yeah, definitely take the over on five touchdowns this year because if he does, if he has four touchdowns again, pff, buddy, that's not going to be great. Um, all right, let's go to Michael, who also has another over-under. We're doing over-unders today, huh? Check out Better Line, guys. You just heard that read. He said, "I remember a question that was asked around this time last year, and figured it was relevant again. Uh, Unfortunately, it is. Uh, What's the over/under for the number of place kickers the Panthers use this season? And are you taking the over or under? Why do you? Why can't I just set the over/under? Why do I have to take the over/under or the over or the under? Um, Yeah. So, like, of course, a year ago, big storyline." Joyce Light cut Ryan Santoso, who banged in a 52 yarder off the post. He was a starting kicker. If the Panthers cut him before week two, then they wouldn't have to give up whatever conditional pick to the Giants. And they cut him after week one because Santoso missed an extra point against the Jets. And, you know, the power in the mustache just was not powerful enough. Did not trend, uh, did not trickle down to his leg. So, yeah, Santoso didn't work out. They ended up getting Zane Gonzalez. And we all know how that worked out until Liram Haralahu had to come in at the last season. So they played three last year. And considering that Gonzalez is out for the season, they have a kicker in Pinheiro who's already got some sort of hip issue apparently, and it's not any reason uh, for concern on Sunday. I'm going to set the over-under. It was at three three last year, so set it over-under at two and a half. And I will unfortunately take the over because I don't have all that much confidence in Eddie Pinheiro. Again, I was wrong last year. Typically at this time of the year, there's just not a bunch of great kicking options out there. These are a bunch of recycled guys. And Pinheiro certainly is one of those. I think it's his, like, now his fifth team, sixth team he's been on. And I, just, I hope it works out, of course. Like, not trying to sit here and say it's not. Just hoping it does. But I'll set the over-under at two and a half, and I will uh, take the over. could imagine seeing three or four kickers. So maybe I should set at three and a half. But I'm going to do two and a half. Be generous and uh, place your bets now. Um, just go ahead and uh, send me some Venmo money that way or whatever. I got <laughs> uh, to figure out the wallet thing on Twitter, so you guys can start sending money that way. Uh, okay, now on to Jake was a question about the Panthers' linebackers and uh, whether they're good enough. He asked, if the Panthers don't improve at the linebacker position this year, is Jeremy Chin a player the Panthers' move to the outside linebacker, similar to what they did with Thomas Davis being uh, he was a safety in college? Uh, yeah, I don't see this happening. Jeremy Chin played that linebacker spot a couple years ago out of necessity. They needed to play him there. Um, Shaq Thompson, not going anywhere after the season. Frankie Luva, we'll see how he performs this year. But those are your two outside linebackers. And they have said Phil Snow, Matt Rule. And it could change if there's a different regime. But it feels pretty clear that Jeremy Chin's going to be a safety the rest of his career here in the NFL. They said for his long term health, he needs to be back there at safety. Also, working with Steve Wilkes this year, if this is a staff that can hang around for multiple years past this season, You have to like that setup. The Panthers have a a linebacker in Brandon Smith who Snow has said. He thinks he's going to start for them one day. If he can start at middle and he got Shaq and then Frankie or maybe draft someone. Like For me, I would rather draft someone who's a pure linebacker opposed to moving Jeremy Chin out of what should be his natural position at safety back in the box to play linebacker. And they're going to use him all over the field. Like He's not... That's the whole positionless football. Like, you're playing a position. But I understand just the versatility. Like, that's what they're focusing on with Jeremy. He's going to primarily play at safety, but they're going to focus on him being able to play. He's playing free safety this year, not strong. He's playing free. So, they're going to focus on him being able to go over the field, but that's what his main position is going to be. So, now I don't see there being a day where they're going to be like, oh, yeah, let's put him back there at outside linebacker. Unless a new staff comes in and says, yeah, let's do that. But more so, I think, out of need, more so than, like, whether they want Chin back there or not. Um, And then you had another question. Like, has Scott Fitter managed Carolina's draft pick capital properly regarding the moves slash trades he has made? Carolina has four picks in 2023 and five in 2024. Yeah, man. He's just said, screw them picks, apparently. Uh, He's given up picks for uh, Sam Darnold, three, to be exact. Matt Corral, Daryl Johnson, Baker Mayfield, DeVisca Chennault, CJ Henderson, Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore, good player, six-round pick only in 2023. Uh, I, I don't think it was a bad move to make. Um, but he's of course not here and that was always probably the likelihood that he would not be here in Carolina past last season CJ Henderson haven't gotten mm, on field returns as far as regular season haven't gotten any great returns but I do think he's gonna have a good year LaVisca Chenault don't really see why that was necessary especially now they got Preston Williams on the practice squad I don't know that just does not excite me we'll see how he plays if he plays great then great and you can throw it back in my face if that's what you want to do Baker Trade you had to do, you barely give up any compensation at all. And then they also got that fifth round back. Um, and then also, let's see, Daryl Johnson brought him as a special teamer, gets cut this year, waste of a draft pick. Matt Corral, waste of a draft pick. Probably never plays meaningful snap in Carolina. Um, and then Sam Darnold, as we know, horrible decision. So yeah, with Sam Darnold, what they did last year, to put themselves in a position where they had to trade up for Matt Corral when they could have sat back there and got him in the fourth round or taken Sam Howell. Those are two that I just think were bad decisions. Daryl Johnson, fine, bringing a special teams guy, but he, and then I think they, they've been able to get some of them back by making trades, but overall he hasn't seemed to be uh Oh, I don't know what to worry, but he has not seemed to take as much care of the draft picks as I think we would like, but Hey, he's, he's making a lot of trades and that's unusual considering the general managers that have come and gone here in Carolina in the first 27 years of this organization. So I don't necessarily hate that he's doing that, but some of the guys, like day one, like you should have known Darnold was not going to work out. But for whatever reason, they're like, oh, let's do this desperate move and then waste those picks. Put ourselves in a situation we have to trade up to get Matt Corral, who now is injured. And based on how Baker plays, unlikely to ever play um, a major role as far as being like considered the guy in Carolina. All right, let's go over to Avery now. And I think Avery and Corey both basically have kind of similar questions here as far as the Panthers go, like their record-wise. He says, do you think Tepper would fire Rule if we miss the playoffs? Yes. Uh, But finish 8-9 or 9-8 and show significant improvement. I feel like as long as the team shows improvement towards a playoff berth, Rule gets a fourth year. What are your thoughts? If the NFC somehow is really good this year, like here's the thing. When I look at the NFC, got Tampa, New Orleans, Carolina, Green Bay, Minnesota, Los Angeles, Arizona, San Francisco, that's eight, and then Dallas, Philly, Washington, 11. 11 teams, I think, can make the playoffs. Now, the NFC East, we'll see how that pans out. Arizona, we'll see how they go without, you know, New Hopkins to start off the season. It is possible the Carolina Panthers can have a winning season at 9-8 and eight and show enough progress to where... This looks like this should be a playoff team. I don't know if y'all are gonna be cool if Matt will come back for a fourth year. Cause it really it, it's the context of it. We have to see how the season plays out. It, you can't just give an arbitrary and I'm not and I'm not like going at you, Avery. I'm just saying in general, you just can't give like an arbitrary like eight and nine, nine and eight. Like, is that good enough? I don't know. Like what what does it look like? Is it did they start off eight and then lose nine straight? Cause then he's gonna get fired. Did they start off 0-8 and, and then win 9 straight? Because I don't think that's going to work out either. Or, like, is it going to be kind of last year? Like, oh, they started off really well. Then they were at 500, Then they lost every game because that's how it looks like. They know he's going to be back. Like, th- there's got to be context in the record. Like, I see people always love to do this. Like, I saw someone on Twitter, like, yesterday being like, oh, how many games does Matt Rule have to win to keep his job? Someone's like, oh, nine. Okay, what does that look like, though? I don't know what it looks like. So, it's hard for me to say. For me, though, if you go to the playoffs, that is clearly improvement, especially when David Tepper has not sniffed the playoffs since he's taken over as the owner here in Carolina, especially the last two years when he's hired his own guys and they've run this thing into the ground. So I can't sit here and tell you yes or no on that because my thoughts are really I have no clue. I need to know what 8-9 and nine looks like. I need to know what 9-8 and eight looks like and the teams that make it in what leads Carolina to not make the playoffs in those situations before I can really give you an answer. So, again, we got to see how things play out. He also said, uh, off the podcast, uh, send me some local IPAs. I'll return the favor. Okay. Sure. I'll do that. I'll DM you here after this. Um, All right. Corey now, who – Anyway, has has a question kind of similar to that. He's like, with Baker Mayfield coming in with a chip on his shoulder and all the top talent he has around him, along with our improved offensive line, including Icky, Brady, uh, Bradley Bozeman, Austin Corbett, and a great Tyler Moten, and of our amazing potentially top five defense, especially with J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson, and C.J. Henderson, along with Jeremy Chinn and Xavier Woods in the back. Anyways, do you see us making the playoffs this year? I can honestly see us uh, winning division. If not, then at least a wild card. I see this being the best team we've had since 2015. Uh, well, 2017 team at Cam Newton, and they went 11-5, and and he had possibly his best performance in that playoff loss on the road against New Orleans. Well, let's just be that. I've already said this before. I think they're going 10-7. Like, I, I feel good about that. They needed one on Sunday, but I think they're going to go 10-7. and 7. Even if they lose on Sunday, I, I think they can figure it out. It's a long way to go. I think they're going 10-7. I look at the offensive line. Best offensive line that they've had since that 2017 season. When they had an all-pro in Daryl Johnson at right tackle, who was starting over a rookie, Taylor Mullen. When they had um, an all-pro in Andrew Norwell. When they had a pro bowler in Trey Turner. That was the best offensive line that they've had since that Super Bowl year. They have not had a good – for the Carolina Panthers, they have not had a good offensive line really since that 2017 year. Looking on paper, this is the best offensive line that they've had since then. And it's gonna be probably the best quarterback play they've gotten since that year, mainly based off of Cam's injuries in eighteen and in nineteen, and Kyle Allen and then Teddy Bridgewater and then Sam Darnold. Should be the best quarterback play, best offensive line play, and the best defense that they've had since 2017. So round all that together, and that looks like to me a playoff team. So yes, final time before the season starts, ten and seven. That's what I'm going with. If I got cold take, I get cold take, so be it. But hopefully, fingers crossed. I'm right, and the Carolina Panthers go at 10-7, and seven or are better, and I'm wrong. So we'll see what happens in the next 18 weeks and really 17 games this season. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag on Locked on Panthers. My, I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Again, y'all, make sure to tweet at me or DM me to participate in next week's edition of the Mailbag, and make sure to follow me, of course, on Twitter, at Julian Council. Um, also, check us out on YouTube. I was thinking about doing this, but we have so many ads that we have to read nowadays on the podcast. It just makes it such a pain in the ass to do uh, a show live. So I'm just going to record it. Maybe I'll, maybe, depending on how many we have, maybe I'll do it live. That was my thought. But in all likelihood, going to have everything out. At least the podcast will be out by 6 o'clock. Uh, depending on how long YouTube wants to take to load up, the video will be out at some point in the evening, hopefully before 60 minutes. So that's what you should expect on Sundays, especially after a 1 o'clock game. Um, Also, Check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Odyssey, Apple, all those places, wherever you listen to the show. Continue to check out the show. Rate, review, subscribe. Subscribe there so you make sure to get it right there in your devices as soon as that is uploaded. We'll have that out to you every Sunday evening, hopefully between 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. And, of course, check me out, too, uh, for the second year in a row. Going to be going on WCNC locally in Charlotte, the NBC affiliate, and our partners over at Tecna uh, to break down the Panthers matchup uh, after every game. So that'll be after I'll uh, be after Sunday Night Football on Sunday night. So if you live here locally, go over to WCNC, and you'll check out with me, with uh, Nick Carboni, or sometimes probably um, with uh, Ashley strowline as well. So that's what's going on here with me the rest of the year. And, Again, our schedule, Monday's podcast will be what comes out on Sunday. Then the Tuesday show will be reacting still to Sunday and what Matt Rule had to say in his day after press conference, especially when he's like, I had to look at the films. I can't answer any of your questions on Sunday. Then on Wednesday, that will usually be a guest slot. And then on Thursdays, crossover episode, Friday, again, weekly Friday mailbag. So that should be the routine schedule the rest of the way, unless there's a bye week or there's a Thursday night football game. But that's what we got going on here, Lockdown Panthers. So, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Stay dry if you're here locally in Charlotte. And as always, keep pounding. And I will talk to you all on Sunday following a Carolina Panthers win against the Cleveland Browns.